0: true story. I don't actually have any comments to make about that scripture. I just wanted it read for our collective edification. <laughs> I just thought it was good and we needed it today. Um, all right. Woo. Okay. I feel like I kind of need to go like this and like shake it off, you know? Today, um, I am coming to you kind of as a hot mess of emotions. Hopefully you haven't noticed that until I've just told you. But like feeling exhausted from this grueling presidential campaign and exhausted from these last years of political hell. And like on the one hand, I'm still riding yesterday's elated high of seeing the historic moment of the first woman... Vice president elect, and she's a woman of color, and it's amazing. Okay, and then on the other hand, I'm angry and grieved. I'm angry and grieved over the loss of nearly 240,000 of my siblings. I'm angry and grieved over the incarceration of children and the murder of black and brown people by the state and over ongoing racial injustice and the marginalization of minorities and the peril that the planet is in and so so much more. And I do not put my faith in politics, even as I know that faith is inherently political and that it has a prophetic witness to bring to bear on policy. A prophetic witness that constantly reminds us that policies are about human beings and of our responsibility to care for human beings who cannot care for themselves. I do not align myself with any power other than the divine power, which I know so well because it lives inside me. I can reach inside and touch it. the, The Christ in me, the hope of glory, as the scripture says. So at the same time as I hold deep joy in seeing in my lifetime a woman, a woman of color in high federal office, I also hold lament for what it took to get her there and the battles that she'll face once she's in. I'm awake to all this, and I'm not okay. And I doubt I'll ever be okay again. Okay is for an old version of me. So I want you to know that I'm preaching to myself today. And you, but also me. My anger and grief are such that My instinct is to lash out and to carve my name in the skin of the world with my fingernails and to force every person to see what I see and hurt like I hurt and to be the consequence for their actions and to make them hear my lament, to make them understand their culpability and be discomforted by their complicity. And then the spirit in me speaks and she says, you too are culpable And you're born inside of culpable systems and you benefit from empire and supremacy. You too, Fran, are awash in complicity. You too, self. So what? I say to her. What? And the spirit in me, very kindly, gives to my mind a simple image it's an image of myself and my children sitting on the floor like I'm sitting now, and we're holding hands, and I'm making them do a kindness circle. So, one of the things that I've done with my kids over the years is whenever they're having a hard time, or we all are, and people are grumpy and gripey and in conflict, we do what I call a kindness circle and I don't do it very often because I don't want them to take it for granted and stop listening. So when the moment is right, I say, girls, I think we need a kindness circle. Sometimes the neighbor kids are even involved, and we sit on the floor, crisscross applesauce with our knees touching, and there's usually a lot of eye-rolling and huffing and like, mom, we don't need a kindness circle. Yes, we definitely do, I say. And then I say something like, Okay, everybody, take three deep, slow breaths into your belly. And imagine that you're sucking in kindness with every inhale and blowing out kindness with every exhale. And maybe you can take the hand of the person next to you. If we're lucky, by now the energy has been diffused enough for sisters to hold hands. And then I say something cheesy, like... We offer kindness to one another, to ourselves. And we let kindness be the thing that is behind what we do and say. And we take another breath or two. And usually, but not always, things are better. From the time we're young... We humans get caught up in these conflicts. We get in these dichotomies of who's right and who's wrong and who offended whom and a feeling defensive and like life is unfair, and these youthful conflicts help us grow and hopefully give us training in conflict resolution, so they're not all bad. But sometimes we just need to take that moment and recenter ourselves, to gather ourselves up. From the youngest to the old of us, oldest of us, we need occasional Regrounding into whatever our highest values are. And if we are followers of the Christ, the real one, the one depicted in the four gospels. Not the warring, toxic, masculinity, distorted one that some churches are still peddling these days. The real Christ. If we are paying attention to that Christ, the true and authentic one, the one who is subtle and inspiring and exciting and mysterious and complex and surprising and perplexing, the one whose signature move in all his interactions was kindness. If we are followers of that Christ, as the name of our community so very boldly and proudly proclaims, then we need to make kindness our signature move. And if ever there was a moment when how we respond matters more so than usual, then we need to make kindness our signature move, especially when it's our instinct to punish. So, I've been watching... Ted Lasso on Apple TV here lately. And I'm actually going back and I'm like watching the whole season one again. There's only one season right now. And my gosh, y'all, if ever there were a fictional character for this moment, it is Ted Lasso as played by Jason Sudeikis. Ted is an absolute foil for the ego and power-driven politicians we are so exhausted from witnessing right now. And there's a scene in episode nine, in which one of the characters has done Ted wrong, like in a big way, done Ted wrong. And this person goes to him and confesses and apologizes for this wrong. And I want to show you this under two minute clip of how Ted responds. Now, warning, If you are a person who is bothered by minor spoilers and you know know that you want to watch this show later, you need to mute your device and look away and come back in two minutes, okay? Just mute, look away, come back in two minutes because I'm about to play a little, it has just a minor little spoiler in it, but I'm going to play it. Assuming all goes well, I'm going to play it. Give me two seconds here. Try again, hang on. to quit or call the press I completely understand I forgive you you why? the force is hard and it doesn't matter if you're the one leaving or you're the one who got left it makes folks do crazy things hell I'm coaching soccer for heaven's sake in <laughs> London <laughs> I mean that's nuts job you gave me has changed my life. Gave me the distance I needed to see what was really going on. Yeah, but you and me, we're okay. Come on, just shake this hand. My arm's starting to get- Care about someone and you got a little love in your heart, there ain't nothing you can't get through together. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you can come back now. If you care about someone and you got a little love in your heart, there ain't nothing you can't get through together. I need Ted Lasso. I, I need Ted Lasso. And this is just one instance where this very nuanced and complex character demonstrates both humanity and kindness and hopefulness and sees the best in people and turns the other cheek when he's defamed and criticized and he leads with empathy and just stalwartly refuses to allow people's bad behavior to determine his perception of them. Can you imagine it? A character in a 2020 television show who fights every second to see the divine in other people. By God, there's a Christian on TV, y'all. In the show, we see Ted over and over, drawing a kindness circle around himself, often with great effort and in the face of great pain and offense and often requiring a great deal of creative imagination to maintain, he resolves only love in, only love out, only kindness in, only kindness out. And the thing is, much like the kindness of Jesus, people aren't always comfortable with Ted's kindness. Sometimes it offends them or confuses them. Sometimes it uncovers them and makes them feel vulnerable. Sometimes it gradually wears them down. And sometimes it's like a laser cutting through their defenses. It's not always nice. Sometimes this type of kindness is disconcerting. And sometimes it offends us so we mistake it for meanness. Now, I like to use my imagination... When I think about Jesus stooping down and writing in the dirt, which he does twice in John 8, I like to imagine that he was stooping down to draw a kindness circle on the ground. I like to imagine that he took a deep breath and centered himself and said some Aramaic version of only kindness in, only kindness out. Only love in, only love out. And I like to imagine him doing this internally before every sermon and every interaction. I like to imagine that when the woman who had a long-term bleeding problem touched the hem of Jesus's garment in a crowd, that jolt that Jesus felt go out from him was loving kindness because only loving kindness in and only loving kindness out. And I like to imagine that when those guys cut a hole in the roof to lower their paralyzed friend down, that's recorded in Matthew 9, but also in Mark 2 and Luke 5, they were opening up a kindness circle like a portal down into the kindness of God. And I like to imagine that when Jesus approached Zacchaeus, a local official who had a history of shady tax deals and who had so undignified himself as to climb a tree. And Jesus marches over and invites himself over for dinner. That Jesus was inviting Zacchaeus into Jesus's kindness circle. And I like to imagine when Jesus cooked breakfast for Peter on the beach of the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection, after Peter had abandoned Jesus and denied him and done him wrong, that Jesus is inviting Peter into a kindness circle where he can recenter himself according to his highest values. And I like to think that we can do this sort of ordinary miracle, this miracle of practicing kindness in the midst or in the aftermath of conflict, in the midst of assaults upon our character on social media, when we don't get our way, and when our enemies rise up against us and when we're mad at the other side for being so duped and hoodwinked. The kindness that Jesus models and that I think Ted Lasso does a good job of imitating is strong. It's stalwart. And resolute it does not cater to nonsense it isn't being nice it isn't just some appearance of goodwill it is an abiding commitment to see the face of God in every human being despite their behavior it is a firm adherence to work for the highest good of each person including ourselves I will confess that some of the language I'm hearing the last few days makes me squirm. When people say, don't be divisive. We need unity. We need to come together. Be nice. That gives me pause. Because it puts me in mind of the words of the prophet Jeremiah, which says, who, who says, they have treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. The message translate, translation says it this way. It says, my people are broken, shattered. And they put on band-aids saying, it's not so bad. You'll be just fine. But things are not just fine. And I don't want to participate in putting band-aids on bullet wounds. I am very wary because, see, that's what we white people did for the last 50 years with racial justice and the inequalities faced by black and brown people. We said... Well, civil rights movement, check. We don't see color, check. And then we never did the deep work of healing and reparation and here we are. This is the moment we find ourselves in. That is not the superficial kindness that I'm interested in practicing. The kindness of Christ wades into the muck of pain caused by dysfunctional systems and sets people free. The kindness of Christ knows when to say, Get behind me, Satan. This commitment to kindness will sometimes be dangerous and put our reputations or even our lives at stake. This kindness is sometimes subversive, strategic, guerrilla kindness. Sometimes it's loud and bold, and sometimes it insinuates itself strategically. Sometimes it's self-kindness that says, stop, rest. And sometimes it's the gritty kindness that says, keep going, don't quit, you got this. This kind of kindness sets boundaries. A boundary is exactly what a kindness circle is. It says... Here's what I allow to come into my space. And here's what I allow out. It practices honesty and vulnerability and authenticity. It self-reflects, even as it God reflects. This kindness is tough and gritty and it has its sleeves rolled up because it's going to get dirty. Just like Chad said earlier, this kindness draws people into it because it, at once so beautiful and unforgettable but also sometimes awkward and uncomfortable. It has softness but it has backbone. It sometimes requires us to push against empire and oppressive systems and to speak a prophetic word or a prophetic critique that some may regard as harsh. Sometimes the kindness of Christ flips empires tables sometimes it says nope no more of this and sometimes it says bring it in i forgive you sometimes kindness is paradox paradoxical and what do we know about paradoxes around here we know we're getting warm and we better dig in and we better explore because we're getting close to something true If ever there was a week when we need to hang on to some subversive and committed and radical kindness, wouldn't you agree that it's this one? Would you agree that a rubric of kindness modeled by Christ is one we need today? I invite you this week to sit inside a kindness circle of your own making, If you actually have to create a circle around yourself, that's good. That kind of ritual sometimes helps us internalize what we need. So you can draw a circle around yourself with chalk or tape to give yourself a visual reminder of the place in which you are centering yourself, which is in the kindness of God in whom we live and move and have our being and who first loved us so that we could then practice and embody love in this messy and difficult world. So I invite you right now, wherever you are, to breathe deeply, to center yourself in the kindness of God, to allow only love in and only love out, only kindness in and only kindness out, to fill your belly and your heart space with the absolute, utter kindness of God. To allow divine love to seed, root, and bloom within you. To open your eyes to seeing with the eyes of God, unlimited by form or by judgment. To lean on the one who is, as the scripture says, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love engage kindness even while you engage with righteous anger and with prophetic seeing and with the understanding that the not yet is not yet now but it's still right here to reach out and grab that not yet which is the commonwealth of heaven that kingdom queendom of god and pull it right into your own circle your own heart to allow it to reverberate into your practice and be the lens by which you view everything and everyone, including yourself. Amen.